Welcome to the Otaku Melancholy Podcast, the podcast that is all about giant vampire women. From Resident Evil to today's topic, we doing it. We doing it. Ah, as well, Hardage. Please bite my neck, mommy dummy. My name is Matt, and I'm your iron-blooded, hot-blooded, cold-blooded podcaster host. And I'm Brad, and you sure are energetic today. Did something nice happen? <laughs> I think the fan translation of that was, wow, fam, this. <laughs> <laughs> that fan, fan translation was something else. I'll get into that in a bit. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's my it's my Discord status now. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be what I reply to everybody for like a week. They tell me a fascinating story on the Discord. And today, I got my scholarship that's going to give me a full ride to this, my favorite university. Wow, fam, this. <laughs> Anyways, you can read. <laughs> And if you can read, you'll probably see Kizumono Gatorine. You're like, what the fuck you just call me? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're we're back on our journey, Monogatari, after like a month or two or three. Like two months. We finished Neko. We were like, that's enough for this, fam. Well, we finished Neko, and then Christmas happened, and January happened, and we got real busy. Well, we also did watch this earlier on, but none of you people were t- who watched this with me were saying, hey, Matt, this stream quality looks like shit. So really, only one of us watched it, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I mean, I had ex- extenuating circumstances. But, like, uh, the Wi-Fi I was watching it on turned this movie into a PowerPoint presentation. And it was fine up until it got to a point where it freezed on the frame where they're talking, but the subtitles didn't load in. So I'm like, what am I missing? Yeah, I was, when you told me that too, I was like, you say you didn't see the epic scene at the end where they were just fighting and you were like, kinda. (laughs) I saw the presentation that you were showing me. (laughs) Heads were rolling. Yeah. And the good old 10 frames per second. So, yeah, you. so we're covering Kizu Monogatari, all three movies, and that'll wrap up our first season of Monogatari. That's not confusing at all. It's not, and we'll get into this in a bit, because it's just how Monogatari operates. Yeah. It is kind of, I, I think it's kind of cool. It's the first season, but technically this movie was done at the end. It was made at the end after everything. Yeah. But it was actually the second published work in the Monogatari series, but it's the first chronologically. Yeah, so it's a prequel? Yeah, it's a prequel to Bake. Yeah. But before we dive right into that, we always do this, you know, in order to fill up time, get that sweet hour and a half, you know, time stamp. Or maybe just an hour in this one because it's three movies. You don't want to be longer than the movie itself. Yeah. Uh, hey Brad, what you been doing? What you been watching? What you been experiencing? Ooh, I've been experiencing, uh, not sleep. <laughs> Relatable. Uh, did my taxes recently. Hey, yeah. 
Nice. I just lost my W2 the other day. Oh, no. Yeah, oh, no. I hope future Matt's cool with getting his identity stolen. <laughs> Can you at least... Uh, do you have an online access for, for yours? Yeah, I do. Okay. But the more pressing concern is that I looked at the document and I said, Hey, that's my social security number. Cool. I'm going to lose this. Oh, dear. Yeah, it'll work it out. It'll, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. This isn't the first time I've done something stupid, <laughs> and it won't be the last. Other than that, I've been really on a Destiny binge, so anime has been, like, pushed onto the back burner. Mm. Oh, Star Watch of K-On, though. There, I got it. Oh, That's yeah. progress. Oh, yeah, I saw the first episode of K-On, too. I said to myself, wow, pretty cute. Yeah, I saw the first three episodes in, uh... What year did that come out? 2006? Yeah, it was like KyoAni's fourth or fifth work, I think. Yeah, you could definitely see KyoAni in like early stages. Still trying to narrow, pin down that Moe feel. Well, I think it came after... I think it came... I'm not going to look up Mal for this because then I'll lose all my progress on everything else I need to keep up. But I think it came after Haruhi Suzumiya. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Fact check me on this, Craig. <laughs> nice. Thanks, Craig. He didn't put anything there, I'm sure, but, you know, thank you, Craig. Wrong, 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 <laughs> wrong. What have you been watching, Matt? Wrong, wrong, um, wrong, Well, much like Monogatari, this is technically recorded after next week's episode. Mm-hmm. But I finished Vinland Saga. Nice. That was awesome. I really, really liked it. Cannot wait for season two. I'm currently watching Wotakoi, Love is Hard for an Otaku. I'm also, I'm watching a lot of shows. I'm going to be real with you. Dr. Stone dubbed is my workout show. So whenever I'm running or doing a bicycle, I have it on. and I just kind of pay attention to it Mm -hmm. because I've already read the manga. So it's nothing new to me. Um, Been starting the seasonal dive. How's that going? Um, honestly, I've not seen a bad show so far, except Redo of Healer, but that's Redo of Healer. <laughs> I, I, I did not have high expectations for it. I mean, you're watching it because of how bad it is. Yeah, but I don't want to commit to Egg's Arms, or Egg's Arm. Eggs. That show looks so bad, but... I've been catching, I just finished, I caught up on Wonder Egg Priority, which, (laughs) it's a damn good show. Damn good. First four episodes, and now I'm just looking, like, waiting for the next episode to drop. It is an amazing experience. All right. Amazing. I cannot recommend, I I know we're still doing seasonal reviews, and we're going to review what we want to watch, more so than everything. Mm Mm-hmm. I have to re- I have to put if you're gonna watch something make it Wonder Egg priority. Okay. Just caught up on Jobless Reincarnation and Isekai, but it's really pretty. Like the animation in it is really good, and this I think it's going in a new direction for an Isekai. Regardless, it's at ele- it's only got eleven episodes, so it's mostly harmless. Mm-hmm. Everybody's so fucking horny in this show, and I cannot <laughs> believe how horny they are. Literally, the mom and dad are constantly grabbing ass with each other. Damn. They're the horny versions of Anos Vodigod's parents. 
Hmm. She's trying to like plant flowers in the front yard and dad's trying to grab her butt. <laughs> it's it's pretty funny. And then like every single night they have sex and then it's they they do it so loudly that the reincarnated son can hear. <laughs> wow. Dude, I I know you don't like isekais, but this one I actually do give a a a hazardous recommendation to. And I'm gonna watch Hori Mia next because everybody's like, Hori Mia is the savior of this this season. Watch it or perish, and I'm just okay, fine, whatever. Kind of burned out on romance anime a little bit, but you know, that's my thing at this point. I guess. I guess. I swear, if they don't hold hands within the first three episodes, I'm just, I just don't have time for it. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff coming out that's really, really good. It's a good time to be into seasonal anime for for, for a change. Well, I guess I'll have to see if, how much I can binge. I, I do think you will, I do think you'll come away from some of these shows legitimately happy that you're doing seasonals. Yeah. Especially Wonder Egg Priority. I cannot, I'm in love with this show and I hope they make figures of the girls. I will at least get main girl. I love I. Okay. She is. She is. Her her weapon is is really cool, dude. Oh, they have weapons. Yeah. Speaking of weapons. Yeah. Speaking. Oh, was of I supposed to do this? Hmm. Speaking of weapons. I thought you were trying to segue. I thought you said speaking of weapons. What? Yeah, you said speaking of weapons. What am I supposed to do with that? I don't know. I, I, I thought I heard something else. You know my hearing's awful. No, I don't. Well, you, you should. Should I? Yeah. Speaking of odd exo- exoteric conversations, we have Kizumono Gatari. <laughs> it was not scripted. <laughs> so, what, what's the order of this in the Gatari series? We had Bakemono, then what came next? It was the one with the with uh, his sisters. Nisei. Nisimono Gatari, then Nekomono Gatari? Yep. Then Kizumono Gatari? This is the order, yes. Okay, I'm just making sure. Yeah, no, you're right. So, we have, coming up on this show, the fourth version of Koyomi Araragi, who is wildly different from the other three versions that we've seen thus far. I am, I don't know how the series is going to go, but I am certain that you might be right about your multiple Araragi theory. I mean, he's different in every, he's a... He's not just a different Koyomi, like, oh, he's had character growth. He's a different character. And Bake, he was, like, very very standard, very selfless and helpful. And, uh... Horny as fucking Nisei. Yeah, Nisei Mono, he was horny. <laughs> and Nekomono, he was, like, really... Melancholic. Really melancholic and, like, getting it in with Tsubasa. And here, he's... You know, fucking edgy, <laughs> edgy. Yeah. If I make friends, I'll be less of a human, huh? What do you mean? L- what do you listen, mean, hot topic worker? Listen here, dipshit. <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm being mad at you so you can stay away from me so you, so I don't hurt you. Yeah. 
<laughs> okay. Very teenager logic. Look at this. I'm going to delete your contact info from my phone. That's how dedicated I am. Oh. Yeah, he do that, don't don't he? And this is chronologically the first show, yeah? We talked about that earlier, right? Yeah. It's Kizu Neko Bake the Nisei. <laughs> it's such a weird, just, it's all out of order, dude. And that's really the trouble with prequels, is that if you develop a character in a prequel, then they're not. that's not going to carry over chronologically into the next part, which was created first. So if you watch it chronologically, you're going to have a, a developed and developing character a opening paragraph and then more development after that so it's like really really odd i i'm actually going to take a stance on this that i think it kind of works in monogatari's case i think that you know through kizu obviously we see the blood the bludgeoning relationship <laughs> like the but like this relationship between subasa and koyomi and it really, you know, it feels very romantic, really intimate at the start. Yeah. And then, like, it, like they, things you, from that, if you just watched Kizu, you'd be like, and they lived happily ever after. But they do not, because then Nekomonogatari happens, and it turns out that Subasa may be a little bit of a bad person. Yeah. And then Koyomi says, all right, I'm not sticking my dick in crazy. I'm going to put up some distance. And then Mbake... You get the feeling they've got a repertoire with each other. Like, they're obviously friends. Yeah. But you don't know what's the wall between them. And that's kind of cool. Kind of. That is kind of cool. However, looking at it from a order, uh, from a production order, in the novels, Bakemono came first, correct? Yeah, Bakemono came first. And in Bakemono, Koyomi starts a relationship with Senjo Gahara. And. Yeah. It seems like. This is only my speculation. It seems like the author... What was this dude's name? Neoisin. Neoisin. It's uh, one of those palindromes. Yeah, it's really cool. So, ne- I'm just going to call him Neoisin. Call him Noi Noi. Noi Noi. Noi Noi. So, the author created Ko- Koyomi and Senju Gahara, had them in a relationship... Then created Tsubasa and started like putting in some backstory with Tsubasa and Koyomi, and like found something with them and found a nice budding relationship, but then wrote himself into a corner because the character he made of Koyomi is the kind of person who would just dump Senjo Gahara and go with Tsubasa, so he kind of like wrote himself into a corner, and that kind of shows itself at the end of Kizumono, where uh, Koyomi basically says someday i'm gonna be a relationship but it can't be with you just like a nudge nudge saying he's gonna be with senjo kahara yeah i understand where your perspective is knowing that it came out of order like that you can kind of see the author's inner gears going all over the place and kind of trying to formulate a story as he goes along and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride Noi Noi's dick because re-watching this movie, I was like, damn, I love Monogatari. Yeah. I mean, I love Monogatari for its characters, its dialogue. 
I think if we to begin our actual discussion on Kizu, Kizu is the first chronologically, but do not watch it first. Yeah. Unless you want to basically ruin yourself for the other ones, <laughs> because the production on this work is out of the, it is, <gasps> and that goes prettiest. that lends itself to it being three different movies, which movie production is always going to be high tier. Yeah, and that's kind of unique it, it, about Kizumono is that it's three movies. And uh, something frightening that I saw, that Kizumono mm. Part 1 came out January 2016, Kizumono Part 2 came out August 2016, and then Kizumono 3 came out in January 2017. So I just can't imagine a six-month wait between each of these movies. That would drive me insane. Yeah. It would. Getting to binge them is a totally different experience. It feels like one long movie, really. Yeah. I mean, each part is its own act structure of a whole movie. You have part mm-hmm. one introducing Koyomi and Kishot and how and it's the inciting incident of how Koyomi gets into this adventure with uh, the vampire hunters and how Subasa gets involved. Part two is the actual fight with the vampire hunters and then part three is the resolution and the final fight and resolution with Kiss Shot herself. Yeah. And honestly, I think as someone who's actually read the Kizumonogatari novel, because when it originally came out over here, it the art has Kiss Shot on it looking foin. Mm-hmm. I said, I want to read this. I don't care if it's words. I think that they that adapting it as a movie series was a perfectly wise decision. Yeah. It, it really works because I think of all the of all the ones we've seen so far, this one has the most action in it. So it really needed that added oomph for production, you know? Yeah. So let's go ahead and just jump right off the bat and talk about how well this movie series starts off. That first scene of Koyomi, you know, running out into the sunlight. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Yeah. Because uh, if you've watched Bakemono all the way up uh, in production order, then you already know that Koyomi has had a vampire experience during Golden Week. So mm. it lets you know right offhand when you see his fangs that, oh, this is him in vi- vampire mode. He steps onto the roof. There's a lot of... It has a lot, it, right off the bat, has a lot of that monogatari charm where everything is just strangely esoteric and just inexplicably, like, fa- like fanciful. Like, a, yeah. an army of crows just on the rooftop while it takes a, a wide, a wide angle camera shot with the sound of helicopters in the distance as it's taking the shot, but f- clearly there's no helicopter in the distance. It's just one thing they do. And then right. to tack on the art, a bunch of Japanese flags. Sometimes it goes back in- into CG mode or in realism mode. And then Koyomi just ignites, and it's the most fluid fire I've ever seen. Well, it's... it's not ever seen. It's very fluid for fire animation and just having Koyomi spontaneously combust. 
I was looking up for the exact word for what you're trying to describe for what Monogatari's atmosphere kind of works for. It feels kind of uh, elegiac. Elegiac? It has the sort of mourning to it that is hard to pin down. It feels very empty, but yet vibrant and full. Yeah. That I, I really love, especially because it seems to change from series to series. But you are totally right. That fire is, as it's it's fire. <laughs> <laughs> It really looks really good, and it sets up. And one of the things that I, I would love to talk about for this sh- this this shit for this <laughs> show in particular is the music, because the music that plays when he is on fire sets the scene so bad, mm-hmm. sets it so well. Sorry, so well, not bad as an awful. Yeah. And there's so many other scenes that it really plays off to make a just vibrant performance. Like this feels like an art film in a lot of ways. The moment when he sees the dying kiss shot in the subway. Yeah. Just, oh. Oh. And it really plays well what goes through all of Kizumonogatari is exaggeration of character motions and uh, and reactions. Like, it has a lot of uh, reality disconnects where Koyomi is just standing in one spot and it flat it it cuts back and forth him approaching Kishad, running away from Kishad, being back at the same spot, screaming, standing there quiet. And if you try to look at this logically, then it doesn't make any sense. How can you do all these things and it's make any uh, temporal sense? But this is just a demons a a showing of Koyomi's uh, his inner thoughts and his feelings. And it's showing that yeah. so that the audience can understand. a lot, And it does right. it a lot better than any internal dialogue would do. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say, too, was that it does better than going, going should I do it? Sh- should, I, should I not? No, it perfectly displays in a, like you were saying, a very emotional way to what is going on inside of his head. And it doesn't have to, you know, do a just panning inner monologue, Mm -hmm. him looking nervously around. You see that visceral emotion. And it works really well because the entire time you're watching, you're like, you know, as a, if you're going into this, you know he's going to do it. But there's that slight feeling in your gut because of how it's playing out that he might not. Yeah. And And that's, that's how you know a scene is set up well. Or even in the established canon... Part of you is thinking, well, maybe it won't happen, or maybe it's going to happen differently than what I expect. Yeah, and especially for this scene, Koyomi is following a blood trail throughout an entire subway station, and he comes across this body on the floor with all the limbs amputated. So he he is just like anyone else in that situation. He wants to run away, and it shows this. It shows the f- uh, f- fight, flight, freeze response very well. And that it shows him running away, but and it's just like in a dream. You try to run, but you feel slow, unbelievably slow. Some and in particular, have one scene where he was running, but he kept moving backwards, and that yeah, it's that odd sense of I want to run away, but for some reason I can't move. Mm-hmm. Damn, we'd be an awfully big brain in this episode. Yeah, real dig brain. Yeah. Real, real big brain, like, yes, overall, the core themes of Monogatari are one of isolation and interpersonal relationships. But, yeah, that's a really cool scene. And I really, really, I really liked it. I really liked it. Yeah. 
And that carries over, this stuff carries over into other scenes, even with uh, Koyomi and Tsubasa just talking. And, like, uh, the conversation gets finished. Tsubasa says, But one more thing. And Koyomi is facing away, and it shows him turning around very exaggerated. Like, yeah. It's like turning around, kind of crouching down with wide eyed expression, like, what do you mean, one more thing? This conversation has to be over. I can't reveal any more information. And then it cuts the scene where, yeah. So it shows that inner monologue of where Koyomi is horrified that Subasa might be asking more questions, but outwardly showing like an indifference, a casual indifference. Speaking of Subasa, um,. <laughs> <laughs> Getting back on our regularly scripted, unintelligent conversation, <laughs> did the girl have a boob job and then get it out between here and Neko? Because, damn, her breasts are very distracting. Her boobs get bigger with each production, I swear. I swear, too. I thought <laughs> Shaft was like, we got the money for big boobs, Sabasa. We're going to use it for big boobs, Sabasa. Make them things. Make the... <laughs> Make up go blah. Every, every time she moved, they like patong patong. Skillet up, do that up. Boom. Yeah, like literally every time she moves, it's like her breasts have independent independent jiggle physics. They're the they're their is, own Richter scale. They do. Subasa's boobs are wild in this production, and I'm a anime boob guy. This has been an established part of the otaku melancholy lore. Mm-hmm. But I was looking at Tsubasa, who is my one of my top five waifus, my favorite waifu from the show, and I was like, damn, girl, please, stop. <laughs> Just stop. For real. Stop with the breasts. And let's talk about the panty shot. Oh. <laughs> so I like how in Bakemono, the very first scene is Koyomi sneaking a panty shot at Tsubasa when her skirt gets caught in the wind, and it's very subtle and very you know, nice and artistic because it's quick. You hear Koyomi blinking and his camera flashing like he's cementing this in his memory. It's like, a new core memory. And then it's over. There's like an embarrassing <laughs> moment. But in Kizumonogatari, they pull out all the stops. They focus in on that. They pull in some, some, some Spielbergian camera tricks on this and give some like character moments for this pan- panty shot. It's like well, the pair of panties is like what the is what defines their relationship, and apparently Shaft knew that. <laughs> they were like, "These panties are the they're the thing that starts this monogatari series. With no panties, there's no monogatari." It's wild. They are wild. Okay, so they go wild on all this just hyperbole action in this this move these movies, mm-hmm. which is not something we have not seen before in monogatari, but. They go wild. Case in point, one of my other favorite scenes is where later on, Koyomi gets surrounded by the vampire hunters, episode dramaturgy, and other guy. Mm-hmm. Guillotine Gil- cutter, sorry. Yeah, guillotine cutter. And you're like, oh no, what are we going to do? And then Meimei comes over. <laughs> he goes through so fast that I thought he was going to superhero land. Yeah. You know. Knee in hand on the ground and be like, sup. 
it's just it's wild yeah it's it's wild now it's so hyped because at this point we haven't seen Meme since you know well since neko but he was hardly he wasn't in nisei he was you know hardly mentioned shown even in neko mm-hmm. and he's just flying through the air and i'm like that's my boy there he is the meme himself <laughs> yeah the meme himself <laughs> Dude, love me some Mimi. I mean, Meme is the the cornerstone of this. He's the backbone of this series. He really is. He especially cements that he is again the. He just he he makes everything go forward. He says, "Hey, let's be fair. Don't gang up on him." And then like, oh well, I guess if you say so. Yeah. Which is the mystery of Meme is wonderful. There's so I want to see everything about this man, but also do not show me everything about this man. Yeah, the greatest things we hear about him are from other characters who know him, like from yeah. Uh, what was it? Was Nisei Mono? Where yeah, Nisei. Where uh, the the other hunter. Yeah, the other hunter is talking about Meme have. How they were all representing different philosophies on how to deal with monsters and human relations. Yeah. And Meime is and very much the absolute neutral party of making sure everything's in balance. <laughs> to the point where yeah. Koyomi is saying, so you'll help us? No. Just going to make sure everything's fair. Yeah. That is cool, though. That is so... That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. I was trying to find that character's name. Yozuru. Yeah, her. <laughs> yeah, her. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's really cool is that we only learn about this character through other characters. I mean, that's just it's just it's cool. It's cool. I'm just going to gush about this franchise. <laughs> Watching this was a bad idea because now I'm like, let's do second season now. Well, I mean, aren't we gonna? I mean, eventually, but I want it now. The first arc in the second season is a Subasa arc. Oh. <laughs> Subasa gets an arc every other arc. Yeah, because she deserves an arc every other arc. This arc is a... Oh, by the way, this continues the trend of the arcs that we've known. You know, like Nautico Snake. You know, Hitagi Crab. This one is Koyomi Vamp. Oh, yeah, it does have... I do see that on the synonym. Yeah. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, Koyomi Vamp arc. I do like that. That is cool, right? Yeah. And it continues on with the myth, the mythos of this series where the vampires are the top tier of the monsters and spirits for for the Monogatari world. Yeah. They're the highest order of, you know, whatever they're called. I forgot. It's been a minute. Apparitions, I think? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> The uh, fan subs I saw had had listed as Kai, which is just them saying Kai, and they untranslate did not translate it. Which I want to get to the fan subs real quick. So yeah. the first time I watched this, it was in a watch party, and we were just streaming off Matt's Amazon Prime. Uh, but unfortunately, if you, even if you have Amazon Prime, you still have to rent it. So that option was closed to me for the rewatch. So I found a legally questionable stream and the these subtitles were not official by any means 
And you can tell if you look on the Discord where I post a screenshot of Subasa, and it's a scene where she says, wow, in English. And the subtitles decided to make, like, do a little funny with it and said, wow, fam, Des. And it was funny the first time, but as the fan subber took more and more liberties, it became more and more annoying. Like, uh, there was one part where Supas was just doing a little giggling, and the subtitle says, X D D D D D D D D. And there was a thing up the top, like a little note that said, I don't know why the fuck I did this, but I'm just going to leave it in. And there were love two, two or three moments where they just did not translate the line and said, I don't know what this is. I don't speak moon speakies. <laughs> and I'm sitting there like, it's your fucking job to. <laughs> That's why I come to you for. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus Christ. No, those are, that can't be real. It is. I will go back. I will go back and get the screenshots for you. There's another line where it says, I don't speak Taiwanese. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Whatever fan subgroup did that, I'm going to watch all my anime <laughs> exclusively from them from now on. If they are taking donations, I will give them money because... I love those crappy fan subs. I love them so much. Like the people who are like literally go, I don't know what the fuck she said here. And subtitles are all according to K Kakoon. Translators know <laughs> K Kakumi's plan. <laughs> I love that. I love Mimi. How did we survive those I days? Dude, there was what I was talking about those in the Kodomono G-Con episode about the uh, the one where like. Reen or whatever was saying to the effect of do you want me to touch your chi <laughs> and then the translator note was something like I bet you do you want her to you sick, you sick fucking pedophile <laughs> oh yeah where the subs were basically railing on the viewers <laughs> yeah and I was loving it it made that show tolerable <laughs> it was hilarious I love that I love that stuff I know some people are like <laughs> no not my enemy enemy is yeah. no no, it's anime, dude. Yeah, yeah. Watch a Japanese cartoon. You gotta have a little bit of a sense of humor. Oh, there was, it does make me like mistrust that the trans that the translations I'm seeing are actually legit because it blurs the line between what I they're actually saying and what the subs the subbers are just putting in. Because there was one point where it meshed in between the two, where it's actually notating the intention of this dialogue while also just being a fan subber's like input where mm-hmm. uh, uh Mei is you know discussing the terms of the deal with Koyomi and Kishot and says some sort of effect of oh, it's all just a game and Kishot said game the fuck you mean a game <laughs> that's what the sub said <laughs> And I know for a fact that she didn't actually say that. <laughs> Did she respond with Gameu? And then the <laughs> subtitle was, what the fuck do you mean this is a game? That's exactly it. All oh, she, of course it was. All she said was Gameu. 
Yeah, okay, now that's a little bit excessive. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting topic that I could we could broach again in the future because there really is a lot of artistic liberties that go with these fan subs. And I think Monogatari is probably one of the worst things ever to get fan subbed by a group that doesn't know what it's doing or is just memeing. Mm-hmm. Because the dialogue is one of the most important facets of the Monogatari series, and you see that all throughout this. We've seen it in this one. I saw it in this one. You probably just saw, Hey, I'm about to kill you, guillotine cutter. Get the fuck out of my way. <laughs> oh, the f- translator's note. Move the fuck out of my way means, Move, bitch! Get out the way! <laughs> uh, it is It is funny. It is funny. There was, there was one nice note where... Uh, Koyomi's arguing with Subasa and he it notes that Koyomi in Japanese mixed up the word body for water bottle, which it was mm-hmm. Kudama versus Dukama or something like that. So that was yeah. nice to know. I don't think I got that in the Amazon Prime stream. So they're just talking and then Subasa's like, then drink some water then. I'm like, excuse me? Yeah, I don't think I got that either. Again, there's there's a lot of complicated Japanese wordplay in Monogatari, or so I hear. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I don't speak. <laughs> I don't speak moon weebies. <laughs> That's wild. So let's move on to something outside of memes <laughs> and talk about some of these fight scenes, right? Yeah, they're good. They're not in part one. Yeah, they're not in part one at all. Well, kind of. If you if you count Maymay's intervention as a fight scene, then sure. Yeah, it was me fighting back masturbating is what it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was that's like one of my favorite fight scenes is at the end, but I'm not gonna tell you what that is because that's a spoiler. Yeah. But the one at the end in particular with the just visceral carnage in it is Ooh. And one thing the Monogatari series is part of it, it's a staple of the series, is the mingling of seriousness and comedic um, looseness. Like in that fight scene yeah. you're talking about, it it's it's comical the way with like all the heads rolling. But yeah. But it keeps itself serious to the point where you're not just laughing at the absurdity of it. And at the same time, when it gets to those serious moments, it has like weird sound effects that kind of alleviates you from you getting too drenched, too dug into the trenches of like, oh, this is a serious, dark, edgy moment. Nope, you got an arm flying off while it's going, (laughs) What was that sound effect? <laughs> Are you the Foley artist for Ed, Ed, Nettie? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that, that fight scene's really cool. The one, I think, with the half-vampire. I like that one, too. Uh, oh, yeah, episode. Interesting yeah, episode. names for all these characters. Like, dra- oh, dramaturgy, yeah. episode, and guillotine cutter. It's like they're... All like 
all these Japanese names, you know, they f they're Japanese culture. You follow that cultural theme. These three names don't even share their own, like, cultural history with each a uh, naming convention with each other. Mm. <laughs> it's like, where do these come from? What do they mean? Yeah. There's... There's honestly a lot of cool things that kind of come with it, too. One of the things I really like about the Vampire Hunters that becomes kind of a theme is that they're all representations of the different type of, you know, Vampire Hunters. Mm -hmm. Dramaturgy is a full vampire, but he doesn't have the healing factor of Koyomi, which is why he loses. Yeah. Episode, who is half vampire, mm -hmm. and Guillotine Cutter, who is just full human. Yeah. And they all, you see, one of the things I really like about this is you all see that they represent different forms of different sort of perspective and forms, you know. For example, Dramaturgy tries to make a deal. Yeah. He's like, hey, let's make, I don't want to do this, you know. Let's be reasonable about this. And he's like, just betray Kishot. Just, 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 just work with me. You know, and he represents kind of, you know, a reasonable sense. He's reasonable. He's a full vampire though, right? And then episode, episode don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> episode, but episode doesn't do anything you know, unreasonable. Uh, but then you get the human, the full-on human who does not care, guillotine cutter who takes hostages and works unfairly to get his hand up. You yeah. Know? So maybe, and I don't know what Noi is trying to say here, but maybe he's saying humans are the real monsters. I mean, that does play against Koyomi's internal conflict. He's worrying about becoming a vampire and losing his humanity. He's doing this so that he can go back to being human. And then you have these three, which as they get more human, you have Dramaturgy, who has is no longer human, Episode, who is half human, and he's vicious. And then Guillotine Cutter, who is full human, and he's an absolute monster. Right. So I, and I don't know how that really pays off, but you do have that nice contrast of Koyomi's expectations and what he's trying to become yeah and there's there's also a lot of cool things that you know that these all characters kind of use their designs are all really cool and you know I mean like episode doesn't epi episode is the one that uses the cross right i'm thinking correctly yeah. right that's cool it is cool it is cool they all look cool and they are all iconic in the moments that they're on the screen and I'm I, I mean they're really cool. Like I don't know how to say <laughs> them besides they're really cool. And one of the things that I really liked that going back to the Bake Monogatari episode was you saw peaks of these characters in Bake, and I remember you said something specifically about it, about who were these people? They never said anything or showed up, but they were just barely mentioned yeah. in Bake. And it all ties into the fact that this Maybe this entire pl the planning of this entire series was sort of preordained, and Shaft knew they were going to be in it for the long haul. Mm -hmm. Because why would you show that scene unless you knew that part partially that you were going to make you know more and more? So shout out to Shaft for just committing for the long haul. And to Shaft's credit, in Bakemonogatari, they had in the first episode in the opening scene, they do allude to what happened during Golden Week where you have that fight with Kiss Shot and the Vampire Hunters. And that doesn't come up until right now in this moment, uh, several years later. 
and it's pretty I'll have to go back and see but it's pretty spot on with how it's executed in that opening scene and in Kizumono itself so right they, they were they did a really good job of adapting it they really did I I'm I can dick right on Shaft all for what this actual production oh, is oh yeah I bet you can Shaft 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 Shaft, 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 shaft. everybody <laughs> Uh, sometimes we say really smart shit in an episode and seem like we actually have credentials to be critics and then we talk about dicks and I don't, I don't know, man. I mean, it's a dichotomy just, just like the Gattari series. Serious is. and deep and philosophical and on the other hand, horny. <laughs> yeah, speaking of horny, do you want to go into uh, the spoilers the spoiler zone, the splash zone. Yeah. I got my wetsuit ready. Where we talk about the sexy vampire lady. Mm. Yeah. Big vampire ladies are coming into the fold, aren't they? And I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be happier either. There's just something fantastic about a woman who's taller than you could crush you. Well, for me, it's the vampire angle. Oh, you like the blood suck? Yeah. You got like any sort of you like neck like blood play is that or is that just you just like the fact that this woman will kill you and use you for sustenance? Uh, I'm not big on the blood play. That's never really been. Well, I don't know that it's not my thing. I don't know. I've never had the experience, so I can't say. <laughs> I'm cautiously open to the idea. Well. Okay. But yeah, this is what we're doing this episode now is to get that sweet viewership <laughs> from the Lady Demerits, uh, Big Vampire Mommy. I'm going to mess up her name. I know I'm going to mess up her name from the Resident Evil 8 trailer or whatever. I don't even know what her name is. It's Lady Dem something. <laughs> Dommy Mommy. Let's see. Da, 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 da. I see no names. There it is. Lady, holy shit. <laughs> Lady, holy Lady shit. Lady Dimitrescu. Dem, Dem Trousseau. I'm going to say Dem Trousseau. Yeah, sure. That seems right, right? Why not? Mm, <laughs> very tall. Anyways, we're going to be talking about the uh, the original big, big vampire mommy in a minute. In the spoiler section. Really quick, shout out to the article on PC Games for the uh, Resident Evil 8 and Vampire Lady name. Opening article starting out with, I'm about to be your own personal doge, bonking you with a comedy bat to send you directly to horny jail. Do not pass go. <laughs> Do not collect 200 pieces of fan art. And now we know her name. <laughs> That's I like that. And if you do want to avoid spoilers for Kizumonogatari, then skip ahead to 1 hour, 5 minutes, and 25 seconds to avoid the spoilerage. However, this is this is, this is is Monogatari. Why, why are you listening to this if you haven't already watched Kizu? I don't know what's going on here, man. Glad you're here, though. Glad you're listening in to us. But skip ahead if you don't want to get spoilers, but you should probably just, just stick around anyways. It's, pretty, it's, 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 it's good. It's good. It's good. Well, here we are in the spoiler zone, and let's just say it right now. Fully reformed Kiss Shot is the hottest woman in anime. I do not care what you think. I'm right. You're wrong. Go back home. I mean, Kiss Shot is the ultimate package. You can't. You have four different varieties. 
to fill every need that you could have. You're right. She's just... Hmm. There's the hesitation I was waiting for. <laughs> I love Kishot. I really mm-hmm. do. Her Her fully formed is perfect to me. Like... In all the other series, we've had bits of Shinobu where she was just in the background, quiet, and Bakemono. And then Nisei and Nekomono, she just kind of came out of nowhere and decided she wanted to have dialogue and basically gave away a magic MacGuffin weapon. And throughout all of that, she's, you know, kind of an obnoxious prick, as vampires tend to be. It's like, oh, I'm... Mm. Centuries older than you. You don't know shit, idiot. And then t- Kishot came around like, what the fuck? I like Kishot now. Yeah, she like immediately appeared and was like, Ara, Ara. <laughs> and I'm just sitting here just saying, I stop. I can only get so erect. Never mind her I actual can- full name, which is Kishot Acerola Orion Heart Underblade. Which is a god awful mm. mouthful to say, but damn, does it sound legendary. It does. She's the, what is it? The hot blooded, cold blooded, iron blooded, or I'm getting it wrong right now. I think it's. No, it's the iron blooded, hot blooded, cold blooded vampire. That's just awesome, dude. Anyways, so when she shows back up, she immediately gets to getting fucky and does the classic vampire thing of, you don't eat humans? How odd. Mm-hmm. Humans are cattle. And I mean, it kind of makes you sense. See? I mean, they, they express this in the in the actual movie, too. It's like, you know, it, and from her perspective, we're just like cows and pigs to her. And even Comey's like, yeah. yeah, but, you know, I know these people. I, I'm the cow and pig, and I don't like it. Right. Four legs good, two and- legs bad. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and it, it does turn out that in a way that... And one of the things I really like about this actual going into big spoilers is that Kiss Shot originally want, does want to die. Mm-hmm. And when she finally gets her death wish achieved originally when the vampire hunters take her arms and leave her for death, she wusses out and says, no, not really. Yeah, <laughs> I'm saying psych right now. <laughs> And then when she gets her full body, I guess she remin- she sort of reminisces on her original subordinate because she has one before. Yeah. <laughs> before Aradagi, who is, uh, well, he shows up in the character page on Mal, and if you click it, you get spoiled immediately on other things. Oh, that's who that is. Yeah. That makes sense. That's who it is on the Mal. So... When she finally gets recovered, she says, wait a minute, I do want to die. And then Koyomi says, hey, hey, we friends. And then Kishot says, nah, I'm going to kill, I'm going to kill your, your girl. Mm-hmm. And Koyomi steps back and basically says, uh, maybe not. Let me be. Now let's, let's fight. Yeah. And, uh. Honestly, though, I gotta say, for for someone who's lived for about five hundred years, I get that you're a vampire and all, but you 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 can have a bit more dignity when you eat a human. I mean, there's no need to be so feral like that. 
Yeah, there really isn't. That was just excessive, and I feel like part of it was highlighted just to indulge in the moment of how awful vampires are. I mean, this is very anti-vampire. This is very pro-human propaganda. Yeah, I'm not appreciating this rhetoric that they keep pushing. Yeah, I don't appreciate it either. I mean, not that either one of us are vampires or anything. I'm just saying that vampires can be very elegant, and if you've not been to a nice little soiree, mm-hmm. you know, in the middle of the night where the vampires, you know, just have a nice dinner, then this is just a lot of pro-human propaganda, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I don't smile on this. Yeah. Speaking of pro-human propaganda, the scene in the shed. <laughs> I'm going to break my mic, keep going. (laughs) I was like, this is, talk about indulgence. Mm -hmm. Jesus. I was like, stop. Like, just. There have been a couple scenes where, where Shaft just lets Tsubasa's titties just flop all about, but nothing really highlighted that than when she took off her school shirt and had her blouse just draping over it like, like it's a 60, 60 degree angled cliff face it's like damn no one could climb that i was in the moment i was just i was like are you horny are you you should not have the ability to make animation if you are gonna go wild with the (laughs) horniness is this nisei monogatari up in here just like I get it, they're teenagers. They're horny, very aware. That that's 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 part of being a teenager. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just looking. I was like, but I part bet of it. she has to get all her clothes custom made. I bet. Yeah. And there's so much of it that I'm just like Subasa being a little bit mad. She's not gonna lose her virginity in the claw. The. <laughs> And I mean, that does play to Koyomi's character, which is kind of endearing, that outwardly he displays himself as this, you know, horny dude. But when it gets down to it, he's too much of a good guy, non-trademark, and to, do, to manipulate people like that for his own selfish gains. Yeah, that is a really endearing facet of Koyomi, and I think that makes him, you know it one of the most model harem protagonists ever. Yeah. Is that he is fully into and wants to be, you know, like sexually, you know, have some sort of be sexually complacent with himself, but he can't do it because he isn't a bad guy. Yeah. He's kind of the reverse Makoto Ito, I guess. <laughs> Whereas Makoto Ito was, I am just normal guy, but very horn and want to bang. Meanwhile... Koyomi is very horn I am very want to see tittage and panties but oh gosh is that your boobs I can't touch those we're not married <laughs> oh lord but that scene was a uh, scene was a little bit uh as a Subasa fan I gotta say even I gotta say that scene was a little bit too much you think so dude the first time we watched it I was <laughs> it was awkward <laughs> Because it was me, you, and Amelia watching this, and I was like, man, watching this with a girl is really awkward. <laughs> I think at one point I was like, hey, Amelia, how you doing? Fine weather we're all having today, right? Just, I don't know. That scene was just extra horny and extra, extra there. 
even why it was just me and you, I still would have been, hey, Brad, what's going on, dude? Still somehow not as horny as all of Nisemono. Well, that toothbrush scene is infamous at this point. Well, the toothbrush scene is, I'm sure, an awakening moment for some people, but everything else, especially with the, what was her name, Monk, the Monk girl. <laughs> I can't even remember her name. I love it when you call her Monk. Monk. Kambaru? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you just call her Monk. I mean, that was that screenshot you sent me in the middle of No Not November where you foolishly decided to watch some Monogatari and it's just Kambaru fully nude, splayed open, and you're like, God damn, she about to make me fail. And I'm like, what did you expect? Well, I was like, Kambaru is my least favorite character, but oh lord, I'm in the nut. <laughs> I was like, sent that message to you. I was like, in the nut, my dude. <laughs> I'm looking at us like, damn, I'm sweating over here. <laughs> damn, Votagatari just horny on main, alt, and side alt. <laughs> But things that, speaking of things that are not horny, that final fight with Kiss Shot where Koyomi says, Alright, I gotta kill it. Yeah, Koyomi is is a, a running arc through all the all the fights where he goes in with bravado and then he gets his jaw punched in immediately and then he runs away for about half the fight. Then something happens where he builds up confidence again and he actually starts getting the upper hand in the fight. That happens with uh that happens with dramaturgy, that happens with episode, and it's well it kinda happens differently with gu- guillotine cutter. He just ass pulls on guillotine cutter. Yes. He says, Alright, I can summon trees now. Goodbye. <laughs> but with Dramaturgy was a really good fight. We got to see the uh, region powers and just him running away. It, it uh, ended very anticlimactically, but they brought it back with explaining with Dramaturgy explaining why he gave up. It's just it's just really funny. You got two baseballs to the face, and he said, "Nah, I'm good. I I quit." Yeah. I'm already out of the game. It's going to take me days to recover. You're you win. Yeah. And that uh that it's cuz of that healing factor which really comes into play in the Kiss Shot versus Koyomi fight where they're smashing each other's heads mm-hmm. off only for them to recover. And that I remember before we even watched Monogatari, you said something about seeing that scene as a gif on Reddit or something and saying, "Man, this franchise is going to be wild. Yeah. <laughs> and that fight is indeed wild. They're smashing each other's heads off so much that you have that, you know, that rain of heads. And there's all kinds of different <laughs> antics where uh, involving like dismembered body parts, like Koyomi is just running around on his hands while his legs are off on the other side of the field, just having a, having a good old time, not a care in the world. It's a it is it is a wild fight. It is an absolute it is an absolute sort of joy to behold, I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. 
even without knowing the context, I still think it would be something fun to watch. But having the context is even that much better. Yeah. Um, but then that comes into the part the you know the actual ending where Kishan's like, "I don't want to live," and Koyomi's like, "I disagree." <laughs> yeah, I say you must live. <laughs> and then Maymay's like, "Hey, it's me, Middleman Maymay. How about both? <laughs> How about both?" And they're like, "What do you mean?" And well, that that explanation is where we had like a weird philosophical talk after the first airing, mm-hmm. talking about the merits of utilitarianism and like at achieving the greatest amount of happiness. Yeah, that's right. We were gonna. We even said we were gonna use utilitarianism in the discussion of that, the meaning of that fight, because it was really heavy. Mm-hmm. Because it was basically what the fight ends up is that since Kishot wants to die, but Koyomi, for all the value that Kishot has given him, wants her to live. Now Kishot obviously still wants to mm-hmm. die, and Koyomi, because of the nature of his relationship with Kishot, wants her to live. And and then Kishot takes advantage uh, to bring Koyomi around. Takes advantage of Koyomi's relationship with Subasa and said. If you don't kill me, I'm going to kill Tsubasa. So take that. And so Koyomi got put into a rock and a hard place where he doesn't want to kill Kishot, but he doesn't want Tsubasa to die. And he doesn't want any yeah. other humans to die. So that's where the whole fight takes place. Body pliers flying everywhere. And eventually, uh, that that's when Tsubasa got involved. Incidentally, Kishot was about to... Uh, do a kill shot on Subasa, and that's when Koyomi uh, just went ham and did his finishing blow on Kiss Shot, pretty much disabling her. Yeah, and there's a lot of good lines in this the final movie that I would love to read off because I I there's there's this final line from the actual novel that I really love. I can't remember the exact one. I don't have it pulled up, but. Kizu has, you know, that that line that he's sort of reflecting on about, you know, if you try to erase sin with sin, you'll only add to your mm-hmm. sins. That's cool. Yeah. But kind of the moral that Koyomi says towards the end is, you know, we who have hurt each other so terribly, we will sit here in each other with each other licking each other's wounds because we're both we're damaged goods who must seek the other one out for our own comfort. And if you are to die tomorrow, I'm fine with, you know, my life ending as well. But if you want to live for me for one more day, I'll go on living with you today as well. And I love that line. Yeah. I love that because, you know, it just shows how much that, you know, Kiss Shot has given to Koyomi as I guess, you know, through friends, through other things, you know, just I love that line and the final line of the novel is something like it is a tale you know it is a wound tale a tale of me being told how I am scarred and I think I will tell it to no one and I love that I love that that's so freaking yeah. neat and that adds on to does Ko- it mean anything maybe. maybe it adds on to Koyomi's arc where he dismisses Tsubasa saying friends make me weaker as a Cuban and then he has to accept that friends don't make you weaker Dealing with the weakness is where you gain your strength. And it, 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 it's 
really ties into one of just the themes of monogatari that I've noticed that we've, well, I think we both noticed is that monogatari seems to be all about your relationships with each other, be it your relationships with your friends, your family, and even with this world around you, like the apparitions, Mm -hmm. it's a very poignant sort of touching tale from moment to moment as you see these characters who are arguably, you know, they're all arguably very, I guess not, maybe not realistic in a lot of ways, but their emotions are very palpable. They're sometimes a little bit esoteric, you know. I don't think any of us have had a friend who we, you know, who we liked, but we couldn't, you know, but we couldn't be with them while they could be with us because of something that they did. It's complicated. They're really grounded. Like, feelings are hard to define, you know. We... The feelings we all have are not something that we could simply convey in words outside of just a mutual sort of flat understanding, you know, very, very surface level, Mm -hmm. something that's easy to say. But in Monogatari, they talk about those feelings that actually go a little bit deeper. You know, the feeling of wanting to die, but being too weak to actually commit the feelings of, you know, the feelings of being afraid to form connections with people because of our own insecurities. There's a lot there that's just waiting to just be studied and looked at, or maybe not even studied and looked at, but definitely discussed, which is why we're here. And segueing into the next topic, <laughs> Koyomi and Tsubasa, especially in these in the part two, we get a lot of development in Koyomi and Tsubasa's relationship. In part one, we see their introduction, and they're kind of blossoming, and then wilting of that relationship, as Tsubasa clearly has some kind of death wish, and that gets revealed later on when we know about her home life, and she expressed this with her, her wish to meet a vampire. Now, she says she just wants to meet meet it, you know, for some... conversation you know you ever just want to for the laws you ever just want to go and meet the jersey devil to have a chat but she wants to see a vampire for the novelty of it for that for that uh kind of obscure desire to see something that's beyond yourself and koyomi even says you mean like a god well not necessarily a god just something non-human. And that's when Koyomi has a breakdown, being a having a vampire experience himself, just snaps and says, Stop being stupid. And that's where it kind of crumbles. And then it's in part two, once they've actually gotten back together after Subasa has had her episode moment where she almost died. And then they start having, they start a budding friendship, and it's very endearing. Throughout the entire of, entirety of Kizumonogatari, you see Koyomi and Tsubasa have this chemistry with each other, where they just bounce off each other naturally, just like in Bakemono, where it's, they're just ribbing each other, and you're like, what can I expect from the girl who knows everything? I don't know everything, I just know what I know. Ah, I said the yeah, thing. she said the thing. She said the thing. And it's scenes like this where if 
if you just watch this, you would you would be forgiven for thinking that oh they they must get in a relationship later, which uh, by all rights they should. Yeah, they really should. But then Senjo shows up and says, "No, no, 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 none of that." Yeah. I just. I mean, I understand it. I I just wanted. I just need to see more of Senjo Kahara to legitimize this relationship that they have put themselves in. <laughs> I'm I'm starting to be like the uh, the sibling in every rom com. It's like, I don't accept your marriage. <laughs> yeah I I don't know I, I just I, I feel like maybe we'll see more of it In future upcoming Monogatries Hope so Yes I I really want to watch more Monogatry right now But there's just a lot on my plate Especially after these movies Which I feel like Just off what we've seen so far The highest production The <laughs> simplest of stories mm-hmm. But the sort of some of the funnest character moments and obviously best fights because it's a movie. I really think in conclusion, or do you have anything more to say? Oh, one thing I really like about the Monogatari series is that it's not so much an anime. It's basically a visual arts piece, uh, a, a mixed media piece. Because like when the uh, when Subasa was having that run through, I think it was during the good guillotine cutter fight when she was running through and it was just a person flashing through the the red material and then it pops through mm-hmm. and then anime Tsubasa is back scenes like that or right. where he's fantasizing over Tsubasa but he's being overcome by his vampiric hunger and he just rips the face off of Tsubasa and it cuts to a uh, a prop skull with the with the word rouge written on top, and it's it's makes me like that, which get gives a different impact than what would be if it was just say animated traditionally. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I think lost us a lot of interest in Nisei is because it stopped doing that sort of mixed media production. Mm-hmm. It stopped you know implementing different things like live action and sort of other things to convey you know these scenes. And they, they come back to it in Kizu, which is, you know, one of the things that made me give Bake, you know, the perfect score it deserves. And I totally forgot, like, I totally forgot about the fact that they included more of it. At this point, it just seems normal. Yeah, I mean, that's that's so part of the I charm would... for the Monogatari series. And if it's missing, like in Nisei, it truly does feel missing. Yeah, but in conclusion, I don't think you should watch this first. No, it this is part of a series, and you always watch a series in order of release. I don't care what anyone says. Well, if we literally, if we watched it in order of release, we would have watched it at the very end. Oh. Yeah, this came out at the very end before the last Monogatari. Hmm, interesting. We just did this because it was easy. Yeah. Yeah. Because we need content. <laughs> That's all this podcasting thing is at the end of the day. What am I going to do for this week's episode? Mm-hmm. I'm going to Koyomi vamp for a minute. But do you want to do final scores? Yeah, we could do final scores. Okay, let's do some final scores. Wait a minute. There's three movies. <laughs> Are we giving every movie an individual score or an overall ranking? 
I'm going to give mine an overall ranking. If I gave it an individual score, it'll all be the same because there are three different entries, but they all serve the same storyline. Yeah, and they don't differ from production value or anything yeah, like that. Because it's not like you can watch any of this independent of each other. You have to watch it as if they were episodes. So unless you're one of those monsters that, that scores individual episodes, we're just going to give it one whole number. Wow. All right, well, um, my Kizu experience was amazing, honestly. I dove in, I'd already read the novel, so reading a book and seeing it adapted into an anime is a wild experience, one that I wholly recommend maybe once in your life, don't go crazy with this whole light novel thing, but it was an amazing sort of experience to see these fights, to see sort of this artistic sort of production, to see, you know, while I did harp a little bit on just the overindulgence and sexuality in some scenes, it felt pretty fitting for the characters. And I think this is really, the production that went into this really was deserved. It is very action-heavy as opposed to some of the other monogatories which sort of skirt around it. But this one was an excellent piece, you know, talking about just relationships, Mm -hmm. especially concerning, you know, the one that's sort of key for the monogatory series so far, and that's the one between Shinobu and Koyomi. And... One of the things we didn't notice is that his bangs were flipped on the other side in this this series, which is kind of oh, yeah. cool. And didn't they didn't they have his bangs flipped back when he was going into Final Five with Kiss Shot? I think so. I remember something like that. I think it was something cool. Anyways, it's very detail or very detail oriented, you know, show movie series. I wholeheartedly recommend it to anyone, obviously. If you're here, let's be real. You just want to hear our thoughts on this. It's not like you're coming in here going like, I don't know about this Kizu Monogatari. <laughs> not seen the rest of them, but I'm unsure about this one. We're just doing it as part of the trend, you know, to to, to get this Joni, Joni Monogatari yeah. out. But as far as parts of the franchise, I think this is, uh, this is easily my second favorite so far. I think it's a wonderful, a wonderful movie series. And I wholeheartedly recommend you to check it out. Be it crappy, <laughs> crappy subs or paying like $4 per movie to Ugh. rent. Jesus, Amazon. Could you chill out, Bezos? Anyway, so my final score for Kizu is a nine, nine dummy mommy vampires out of ten. Well, I mean, Bezos did chill out. He, he dropped off his position as CEO. Yeah. His work was too hard. Oh, he's too hard making money. Oh, goodness, goodness, what do I ever do? So, Kizu Monogatari. It's Monogatari. Unless it's like, uh... (laughs) Unless it's Nisei Monogatari. If you... If you watch Monogatari series, you know what you're getting. I mean... Just uh, just copy paste what Matt said. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, All right, appreciate the effort there. Eight out of ten. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Why do you like this? Every single time I've given a Monogatari a score, you've gone one point <laughs> below me. 
Except Neko. For some reason, you were dick riding on Neko. No, Neko, I did not give Neko that much of an improvement. You did, though. I gave Neko like a 7, and you gave it an 8. You give all these shows an 8. And all of them except, <laughs> except Nisei, Nisei, which was deserved. Damn. So what's the so at this part of the Joni Joni Monogatari, <laughs> yeah. So what's your official rankings? Oh shit, I see the rankings. Well, mine be, so you can have time to think about it is number 1 is Bake, number 2 is Kizu, number 3 is Nisei and number 4 is Neko. Really? Neko at number 4. Yeah, as much as I'm a Subasa fan, I wasn't really vibing with it. Let's see. For me, it's Bakke at number one. Neko and Kizu are neck and neck, although I think we're going to have Neko come up just ahead. And then Nisei at the, at, is uh, last. Dang. You hate to see it happen. I do like Kizu Monogatari, uh, but like you said, it's a simplistic story, and a lot of the charm is in the action and the character interactions and the dialogue which is again a staple of the Monogatari series the sometimes the dialogue is more action filled than the action itself yeah. and with Neko Monogatari seeing the complexity of Subasa develop even further than what it already is because we get to see her living situation and you feel sympathetic and then you learn how she's handling it, and you you get some confused emotions, and that's what I like when you have to. It, it turns it turned Subasa into an actual character, not just a collection of tropes. That's why I said and boobs. Yeah, that's why I said Neko just slightly above Kizu. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Fine. Well, at least Bakke is number one. That's yeah, Bakke is number one because cool. it does it does the uh, the mixed media stuff the best, and it's got fun stories, fun characters. It's fun. fun. It's good watch. It's you interesting. If you're listening to this, you should go watch Bakke. Yeah, please, for the love of God, if you're listening to this, stop and watch Bakke. There's no reason we did an episode on Bakke. Yeah, you should go watch Bakke Monogatari. I don't know why you're listening to this, unless you're just a fan and listen to everything because we put it out. At which point, I love you. Thank you so much for being here. I love you so much. You're such a good person. And who are we that you love? Why, we are the Otaku Melancholy Podcast. Love is such a strong word. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't have the strength to bear it. We have been your hosts. Matt. And Brad. Catch Brad. us every single Tuesday on our website at otakamelancholy.com. And you can also catch us every Friday for the foreseeable future for our attack a talk on Titan. And you can also find on our website previous episodes and our streaming sites as well as our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Discord. Shout out to Eggsy. Wilhelm of Retallica and ZDS or ZDs, I don't know. Probably ZDS. I'm going to say ZDS. Shout out to those three. Thank you so much for joining us. We are so happy to have you with us. Yeah. You're always, if you listen to this, you're always welcome to hop in the Discord. 
Tell us what you going on. What's going on with your mind? What you thinking about anime? What you thinking about? You thinking about anime? Thinking about you thinking about anime. Ooh. And speaking of people who do a lot who of thinking. Thinking about stuff. Thinking about stuff. Thinking about, you know, stuff. Anyways, today's quote comes from Bill Gates. Your most unhappy customers are your greatest source of anime. <laughs> How true. How poetic. Mm-hmm. Truly a windows into my soul. <laughs> Ooh, you're ruining my boner from Kizu. You're making me kind of Microsoft. <laughs> oh, computer puns. Anyways, let us show my dudes. Goodbye. Take care. Gambate. Sasunatsu no dai sankak opo